What's going on, FA Nation? My name is Justin Fensterman, along with Matt Sells and John and Pemba, and this is another edition of the Family Times Podcast. That's right, your family that's always with you, hanging with you, even after a crazy, crazy week two full of injuries when it comes to fantasy football. Guys, how are you? Did you make it out of week two unscathed? Um... Relatively, I mean, I wasn't picking high enough to wind up with Barkley or McCaffrey in any draft anyway. Um, but I started the year scathed because I had Michael Thomas and Kenny Galladay in both money leagues, so that wasn't a great start to the <laughs> that wasn't a great start to the year. But I I escaped week two mostly unscathed. Yeah, I was fortunate enough in leagues where I was drafting early. Um, that I was taking Elliott over Barkley. Um, that was just something that I felt uh, was the play. Uh, I, you know, I didn't like the beginning schedule that Barkley had. I didn't like the fact that the Giants weren't expected to win many games, be in many games, you know, score any you know much points. Uh, so I just wasn't sure how that would play for Barkley. So uh, able to fade the Barkley ACL injury by going with Elliott. Um, I do have shares of Christian McCaffrey, unfortunately. Um, you know, Michael Thomas, I have some. So, no, I, I didn't really get out of it completely alive. Uh, I do have Cortland Sutton. I've drafted A.J. Brown. Like, you you name a player that's been hurt. Uh, unfortunately, I'm in enough leagues where I basically have exposure to them all. Well, that's what happens when you're in this industry. You're in a lot of leagues. And if you don't build your teams the same, you're going to be rooting against yourselves and for yourself a lot of times in the week. All the feels that came from week number two. Just crazy, crazy with everything that happened. Now, guys, the big question is, what do you do with waivers right now? I mean, how much do you spend? I mean, the thing is, let's start with the Giants. The Giants now have Devonta Freeman, who they just picked up, to go along with Wayne Gallman and Deion Lewis. And we saw what Deion Lewis did. Not enough for him to secure that role. Clearly, they brought in Freeman to help out, fill that void for Barkley, who's lost for the year. But, guys, I'm very normally... I'd be very into this situation. I lost Barkley in three different leagues. I lost McCaffrey in two leagues. However, I'm almost too afraid of putting down a big bid on one of these guys who are in the Giants' backfield because even though they signed Freeman, I don't know what the future holds for this backfield. Is Freeman really that great? He's kind of washed up, I feel like. He's tried out, I feel like, for half the league and for FantasyAlarm.com as well. We didn't sign him. So, guys, when it comes to Freeman, how are you handling waivers with the Giants? I'm being cautious. I mean, I'm real concerned about that offensive line. It has not looked good through two weeks. Um, it just it just hasn't looked good. Um, now there's concern about that turf in the Meadowlands, too. Um, you know, the, the Niners had some pretty serious issues with it, um, as well as the Jets. The Jets had some plenty of guys go down and get their feet caught in that turf. I mean, if Devonta Freeman was that good, he would have been on a roster during camp. I mean, you know, it's, somebody needs a running back at all times. So I think there's a reason why it took a major injury for him to be signed. Um, obviously, there was talk he would go to the Bears a few weeks ago, and Monty showed up with a groin injury. But um, I don't know. I'm being I'm being caught. Obviously, he's theoretically a number one running back, and that doesn't come along every day on waivers. But I'm being cautious personally. I have a, a kind of developing take throughout the day on what I I feel like uh, Freeman's value could be, and I, I think it takes a little bit of perspective. Um, 
you know, while yes, I was fading Saquon for all the reasons I mentioned earlier, uh, we also knew that the beginning of this stretch for the the season for the Giants was going to be one of the hardest in football just with the matchups that they had to deal with. So while they've looked completely overmatched on the lines, I mean, they're facing, um, you know, the Steelers and then the Bears, and now they're going to have the 49ers, who uh, at least the 49ers are missing some players there on their defensive line now because of the poor turf in that stadium after facing the Jets. But I think there's an opportunity where people may be expecting uh, him not to be able to succeed because what we've seen so far, where I think as the schedule gets easier for the Giants and it does get easier for the Giants, uh, as this uh, season kind of rolls along for them, um, you know, Freeman could be of, of some value. I mean, yes, last year he, he wasn't great on the ground, but he still was actually a pretty good pass catcher out of the backfield for Atlanta. Um, you know, so if they're going to be behind, I think that role for him is still going to be there. I, I think you're going to have to still probably spend 25, 30% of your budget uh, really to get Freeman. I understand uh, what you were saying, Matt, where he's, you know, why did he take so long to wait? You know, if you listen to his agent, he actually had multiple offers on the table, he even turned down more money to play somewhere else because the Giants were going to give him the opportunity to start. And maybe that's what he was waiting for. Maybe he was waiting for an opportunity where a team was going to give him the job. You know, there was no real competition for him. You know, Chicago, Montgomery was going to come back. He was linked to Tampa Bay, but they had a boatload of running backs there. He's linked to Philadelphia, but Miles Sanders was going to split the job for him. Uh, You know, Seattle early on was linked to Freeman, but Chris Carson was there. Um, You know, maybe Jacksonville, but Jacksonville, you know, I don't know what their situation was with with their offer with him, why he left. But uh, basically he felt the Giants were going to give him the best opportunity to play. Uh, Because as I said with Jen Piacenti earlier today, He's playing for next year, too. He needs an opportunity to show that he's healthy and capable to get his next job, not necessarily just this job. And going into a situation where he wasn't going to see the field often uh, probably wasn't going to be great for him. So I've kind of come around a little bit on Freeman. I don't think, again, he's going to be a world beater. Um, but given the lack of depth, given the injuries we've already seen through this far to the season, I'm sure there's more running back injuries to come. Uh, you know, get out in front of it now. And I think you kind of have to grab Freeman, who's, you know, the best-looking back available well let me ask you this then john because now the situation that we have in carolina though it's not for the remainder of the season or anything moving forward it's for the next four to six weeks so it's a little capped mike davis i mean we saw him get eight receptions on eight targets and with that if you're trying to pick who you're going to give the bigger bid to between mike davis versus Devonta Freeman. And we've seen Davis, especially in the passing game, thrive before, especially when he was with Seattle. Who would you rather get, put the bigger bid on? So I think, again, this sort of depends on your roster composition and you know what it is that your team needs. If you're a McCaffrey owner, but you have solid RB2 depth or just solid running back depth in general, I would put the bid on Davis because he's going to be the direct handcuff for you, at least with McCaffrey. Uh, and you're not really relying on a longer-term solution to your backfield problems. But if you're on a team that really doesn't have another starting running back, or maybe you you're the Bar- you're the Bar- you're the Barkley owner. Yeah, okay. I mean, if you're the Barkley owner, then yeah, you definitely go ahead and, and get Freeman because he's going to be the guy that's going to have the long-term job. The problem with Davis is that he, there's an expiration date or expected expiration date on his value because when McCaffrey comes back, Davis isn't going to go back and be much more than a spell to you where again, we're not really high on the running backs that are in the situation with New York. Anyways, sure. Freeman could certainly flame out, but at least he's going into this and you know that barring some, everything he's going to be the, the main primary running back. 
if you are on the McCaffrey team and maybe you drafted a Cam Akers as your RB2 or, you know, some other guys like a Mark Ingram who aren't performing, and now you maybe can find yourself in a situation where you need an actual RB2 upside play, then I would spend the money on Freeman as well. Like, I wouldn't necessarily go for the handcuff. I would go for a guy that could potentially help my team now and then also be a help when McCaffrey comes back. So um, roster composition matters here. If you don't really need more than a backup until McCaffrey comes back, go Davis. If you need that season long, <laughs> that longer-term option, then you should be investing in, in Freeman, in my opinion. Yeah, I mean, you, I'm, I'm right there with you. Um, I think Davis probably – Costs less by far to get than Freeman does, but again, he's a he's basically a rental. And McCaffrey has already come out and said that he takes the timeline as a challenge, and he's intending on beating it. Whether you want him want to see him do that as a McCaffrey owner, I don't know. High ankle sprains if you rush him back can linger, as we saw with Barkley last year. Um, but, yeah, I mean, if you're in a PPR league and you're just looking for a rental, then it's Mike Davis for me. If you're, um, you know, Freeman can catch some stuff out of the backfield too. So it, the cheaper option is Davis. The longer-term option is clearly Freeman. Guys, talking about some running backs that we could pick up, someone that I've been watching fantasy Twitter and someone who's become very, very popular and kind of rightfully so, Jarek McKinnon. And now you have injuries for Raheem Mostert and Tevin Coleman. And you've still got Jimmy Garoppolo, who is now hurt. You've got the receivers who are hurt. You've got George Kittle, who is also hurt. So I want to ask you guys this. We were talking about putting a bid. You know, we need a running back. Do you guys think that when all is said and done, long-term, Jarek McKinnon has standalone value? Or is he going to revert back to being just a handcuff? I think he reverts back to just being a handcuff, personally. Um, I mean, I know why they brought him to to San Francisco a few years ago, because they thought that he would be capable of being a standalone guy in that system and whatnot, but it just has not worked out. Um, So, I mean, for me, he's a flyer with guys that are injured behind what's still a pretty decent uh, line to run behind. Um, Nick Mullins was decent. Last year, when he came in and filled in for Jimmy G, um, so much so that the people were saying that it may be worth it to them to remove themselves from the Jimmy G contract to let Mullins yeah. actually be the starter there in San Francisco. I mean, his first start was what under prime time Monday night, yeah, right? and he he was spectacular. Um, so for right now, I think McKinnon is more of a flyer in my book, but I don't know if John's got a different view on him or not. No, I'm kind of in the same boat. I mean, people see the 77 yards rushing, but, I mean, he only had three carries. He just had a big play, and that's sort of what his game likely is going to be. Um, but we've also seen McKinnon have, like, opportunities to be the lead guy in the past, whether AP was down in Minnesota um, or just extended opportunities there, and he was never really that great of a player. Um, you know, his pass-catching ability, you know, raving about it during the preseason, so maybe that shows up uh, or during the or during training camp, wherever, so maybe that shows up as his potential value. Um, it's more so, again, the health of the other guys there. You have most hurt an MCL sprain. I haven't seen the official diagnosis on Tevin Coleman. I'm not sure if you guys have seen that come across yet. Uh, but he is supposedly dealing with a knee injury that's going to keep him out a couple of weeks as well. Uh, so short term, again, like, yeah, you can go ahead and throw some money down on him. But know that he, too, also very injury prone. 
and that job isn't something that he's going to be able to just grab, right? There are guys that are going to come back and bump him back down the ladder uh, to where he's more of a change of pace, third down roll uh, with Mostert and Coleman getting a lot of the early work. Um, you know, and even now they still have guys like Jeff Wilson, who is a very good red zone back and also capable of catching the footballs we've seen as of last year. So uh, the 49ers are, are, are definitely a tough team to, to predict outside of, I guess, Mostert early on. Um, so, yeah, I mean, you want to go ahead and grab a kinder for a week or two, that's fine. I wouldn't blow my budget on them, though. Guys, I mean, at this time, I know that we are very desperate, especially if we lost someone like that has the caliber of Saquon Barkley. But at the same time, we have to be careful with how much we are spending early as well. We still have a long way to go. People think that they need to find someone on the waiver wire that's going to make up that production, and it's not going to happen. We could believe that Devonta Freeman's going to help a bit. It's going to help with the damage control, but that's where I feel like, guys, you could tell me if I'm wrong. Casual fantasy players need to remember that you have a long season ahead of you, whether you're healthy, whether you've got injuries, and you can't just make up for Saquon Barkley in a week without trading. And if you do it little by little, you have a few stop gaps that make up about John. You and I talked about this on Alarm After Hours on Sirius XM. You know, 65 to 75% of the production lost from Saquon's injury. Then that's very good. And then you'll eventually, if you're that diligent and you keep your roster balanced without freaking out and overhauling just to get that one running back, then you know what? Maybe you're able to compete and you hit on someone on the waiver wire and before you know it the production's made up over time instead of right away i feel like people miss that and don't see the bigger picture yeah again that's sort of part of not overreacting too right like don't go ahead and blow up your roster because you lose one guy yeah yeah you've largely built your roster knowing that you had someone like a barkley or mccaffrey on your team but you know, if you listen to everything that we've discussed leading into the year, read all the draft guide content, we certainly preach a lot of depth. You know, make sure you grab this running back depth. Make sure you're prepared for potential injuries, especially because we were touting COVID as a primary reason. We expected maybe some guys would test positive and you wanted to make sure you had enough depth or enough support there. Um, you know, but like you said, you know, and a common question I had a lot in chat heading into draft season where people being like, oh, who's the who's the better handcuff for Barkley? Is it Lewis or who's the who's the better handcuff for McCaffrey? And I was telling people, don't draft those handcuffs because they're not going to give you nearly what McCaffrey or Barkley could give you. They're not, you know, they're not. There's no such thing as a true handcuff to those guys. You're better off trying to grab a guy that has actual value, uh, you know, than hoping an injury potentially happens to those guys. So. Um, hopefully you have yourself uh, some some running back depth that can be help you right away. You can slot into your lineup and, and not worry too much. Of course, a lot of those guys also ended up getting hurt already. Lindsey and Mac and, uh, you know, so, you know, guys of those sorts, you know. Um, so maybe you are in a little bit more of a bind. But, um, you know, <laughs> largely, you know, there is no replacing players of those caliber. Sells so at this time, when it comes to having to make a trade, and trading in fantasy football, I do out of need. I don't do it out of want, desire, think it's funny. I don't think it's funny. I don't want to have to make that trade and mess with the balance of my team. But, Sells, at this point, you've got a guy, let's say, like Calvin Ridley on your team. And you've drafted two other receivers 
before Calvin Ridley, and all of a sudden he becomes expendable and you lost someone, let's just say, like a Saquon Barkley. At that time, do you look to trade someone like Calvin Ridley, who's the number one receiver in fantasy football, and how exactly would you value him? Value him pretty high. I mean, I know wide receiver is pretty deep, obviously, this year, but... um... You know, I'd be trying to get an RB1 back, maybe, you know, not an elite RB1, but there are some lower-tier RB1s. A perfect example um, is a trade that just happened in my home league today. One of the owners lost Saquon. Um, they also lost Cortland Sutton uh, this week, too. Uh, they just traded Juju Smith-Schuster for David Montgomery to try to fill a running back hole because they had depth at wide receiver. Um Obviously, a week ago, that would have seemed like a fleece of a trade. Right, exactly. So, you know, each week values change. And, you know, you always got to look ahead to what the matchups are and, um, you know, exactly what you can expect from whoever you're getting or whoever you're giving up. Um, But, yeah, I mean, if it depends on how I drafted. If I was lucky enough to go Saquon and then pick up, another solid running back in the second round, then maybe I don't make the trade and I just kind of try to fill in with another running back. If you're starting three running backs, then yes, you're in trouble. You're going to have to make a move. Um, But yeah, I mean, that's... I would trade Calvin Ridley, but I'd have to be getting a really good piece back, like, I don't know, Josh Jacobs. Wow. Okay. I mean... I don't know if you're going to get that. But that's okay. But Ridley, I, no, I respect. I respect that offer. I do. I mean, I don't know if I would get it either, but that's what I would need. Right. I think you'd be able to get the deal done for Austin Eckler. Yeah, but I don't want Austin Eckler. <laughs> the guy's gonna be out. He's been out snapped on his own team by Josh Kelly. <laughs> There's clearly room for both cells. Oh, come well, Austin on. Eckler I think, on the I think field, yes, but production-wise, no. You could get Ridley for Jacobs right now. You think so? Yeah, I mean, think about the hype that Ridley had going into the season. If you're in a position where you need a wide receiver. And look at what the there's Atlanta fewer. offense has done in the first two weeks. Yeah, I mean, like, the, the man, you know, barring injury the past couple of years, I mean, he was going to be a double-digit touchdown, 1,000-yard receiver. And he is not showing that to be a fluke heading into this year either. I mean, he could legitimately be a top five. I mean, he already is right now, but I'm saying end of year could very well be a top five overall wide receiver. And right. that's he's averaging eight catches and 120 yards and two touchdowns a game right now. Right. The two touchdowns a game, that's going away. You realize Are that. Are you so. sure about that? He's not getting two touchdowns every single game. I mean, they throw so much, though, fancy. I get that, and I love Calvin Ridley's my favorite player. I agree two touchdowns a game is unsustainable. That's not going to happen. But you're telling me he can't go on in every other game touchdown run for the rest of the year? Like 100% he can. But two, I was just talking about two touchdowns per game. I was ready to put some money on the line sells with that. No, I mean, it's not going to – obviously, the guy's not going to get 32 touchdowns in a year. The year that Brady threw 50, Moss didn't get 32. Um, but, no, I mean, there's no reason why giving up a guy who's 
averaging eight catches and 120 yards and two touchdowns a game right now wouldn't get you Josh Jacobs. Listen, I I hope would hope it would. I would root for you. I just don't know. I mean, man. I mean, here's the thing, right? It's all about need. If you're a Jacobs owner, obviously you're not looking to trade Jacobs all of a sudden. Right. But if you had like Michael Thomas in Jacobs, but you also were good enough with like your running back depth, maybe you drafted Melvin Gordon and, and Leonard Fournette or something like that. Well, just like anything, right? Anything that you know, all of a sudden you're finding yourself in a really strong position. You know, you you know, like you said, you got. Jacobs in the second, you draw, you got Melvin Gordon in the third, and maybe you came back in round four and, and you had yourself, I don't know, what. I guess it depends on when you were drafting, but like Chris Carson, James Conner, David Johnson, all those guys at one point or another were late round third, four, early fourth round like picks. Like You could have yourself strong running back depth, uh, and now all of a sudden be in a position to trade a guy and you know upgrade your team you know to replace a Michael Thomas or something. Well, if you use the smart system – you should have that running back depth. Right. Exactly. And you should, yes. But also, if you use a smart way, system, you're not drafting Michael Thomas either. So. Jacobs That's had true. a huge week two, but his week one was, I mean, it was okay. No, all the way around. His week one was awesome. Yeah, his no, his week, awesome. his week one was oh, like sorry. player yeah, of the week. I read the, I read the dates the wrong way. Yeah. It's okay. But to be honest with you, we should have expected, and I kind of said this to you, yeah, one Saints, of you, I think. The, yeah, the I think it was you, Matt, right? The, the Saints run defense is very good. They so, have about a hundred yard rusher in like two and a half seasons. Right. Damn. So he got 88 yards, averaged 3.3 yards per carry. Uh, that's probably about as good as anybody else can do against that team. Yeah. I mean, I'm not saying he's a bad, obviously I want him in a trade, so I'm not. Yeah. But I'm just saying it's not like he's come off like seven touchdowns in the first two weeks and now he's untouchable. Right. I'm watching his receptions though, guys. He wants 60. I believe, yeah, we're up to, I, I believe we're up to seven right now. I'm hoping he gets to 35, 40. That, those were my expectations. I have Josh Jacobs on three different teams. Well, I mean, okay, so to get to 60 over 15 games, you'd have to average four a game. Yes, that's his goal. He's at four in the first game and three in the second game, so he's not terribly far off. It's still very early. It is, but... I mean, I mean Fournette said he wanted to get, from... uh, what, 100 catches last year or whatever the heck it was, and he had 100 targets and 80 catches or 70 catches. So... Alvin Kamara? Yeah, Kamara. Well, I he said had 81 because he's well, had 81 I, I catches the last year. year. said he wanted to get, uh, like, X amount of catches, and he, he got it. So. Oh, my God. Speaking of Alvin Kamara and the Saints, how about those Emmanuel Sanders owners that are like, oh, no Michael Thomas, I'm down by 10 points. I'm good yeah, to go. Was... I'm Why expecting him to get force-fed this week, to be honest with you. I think this is a good week to get, uh, if you're in DFS maybe even, go and get yourself some Manny Sanders. I think the Saints will realize that they shouldn't have, you know, his only target of the game, or only catch of the game last night came when they were down 10 with 40 seconds ago. Uh, they need to get him more involved. I fully expect that to be the case this week. So are you out on Traquan Smith, or can he be productive too? I think he'd still be productive. I like that they're back home. I, I know that we talked about this. Me and Matt did, uh, you know, Breeze numbers home versus away, and I know this game was in a dome, so you know, take that for what it's worth. But Breeze in the Superdome or whatever they play, it's still the Superdome in LA. I don't know. Yeah, it's the it's the Mercedes-Benz Superdome. Yeah. Yeah. So when he plays there, his numbers are significantly better than when they play anywhere else. So um, I'm just gonna kind of buy into that. 
I mean, one yeah. of the things we saw as well, by the way, Selzin, and then I'll let you make your point. I just want to say this. When it came to Michael Thomas being out, Alvin Kamara targeted a lot, nine receptions. So that's someone else that when it comes to DFS too, that at least for the next couple of weeks, I'm going to be paying up for him. And you're lucky because the other two guys that you usually have to pay up for aren't even playing anymore. So, <laughs> nice. Yeah, I mean, out Camaro was highly owned, highly played in um, the Monday Night Showdown slates. I think Grande said he was what ninety percent owned in one yeah. of his mm-hmm. like the twelve dollar contest. The one that I was in, which was like a, I don't know, like a five dollar contest, he was seventy eight percent rostered. Um, I kind of like Deontay Harris in the Saints offense right now. They they made a point in week one to get him the ball. They said they were going to uh, get him the ball more this year. He's a speed guy. Speed kills in the NFL. We've seen it with, you know, countless teams. And, I, I they, you know, they continued to make it a habit in uh, Monday Night Football, too. So, I kind of like Deontay Harris as a guy you can just go get as a flyer uh, for the Saints. Yeah, he could be a guy, but uh, if we're talking DFS, I don't know if I'd fully invest, uh, trust that as too much. Maybe well, if you have a deep bench, if you have a deep bench in season long, you that's someone that you can look at. It won't cost you anything. So that's you know what, whatever it takes to get find a dart throw at this point because. These injuries, I feel like, especially those soft tissues ones, I know that guy sound like every other sports broadcaster out there, but they're not going away, and it's going to continue impacting us. And, oh, yeah, COVID as well. So that's why you always got to be prepared. Even those teams that are 2-0 and right now, you're not sleeping. This isn't a vacation. You're going to lose. Just like that, in one week, you can lose two of your top running backs, and then you're going to be freaking out. So every week's an opportunity. Make sure you don't miss it. You can always improve your depth. Because, guys, if you aren't on waivers every single week, well, that gives you grounds for being idiot of the week, I'd say. So, guys, let's move on to idiot of the week. And I'm going to talk about the idiots of the week. And, and again, I don't understand why. I got way too many questions. Do I literally bench James Conner for Benny Snell? And every single time I was saying no, and I kept getting more and more and more confident. Conner practiced. He's the labeled bell cow. And we had no reason to think that with Conner out there, Benny Snell was going to come close to doing what he did. And people were flexing him. People were starting him as an RB2 with Conner out there. And I have to say, very idiotic. Bad look. We all saw it coming. He was fine. He was walking up and down the sidelines after he hurt himself. Connor wasn't a big injury. We all saw it. And you're an idiot if you didn't. Yeah, I I don't understand the Benny Snell love this week. That was Uh, the most popular question I got. And and it frightened me. I mean, Connor never really took off his jersey in the second half of week one either. He was, they were basically just saying, hey, look, uh, we're pretty sure we can beat the Giants without you. We want you healthy for the long term. And Snell looked good. But again, against the Giants, whose defense is not good. Um, so, yeah, I, I didn't get that one either. We were 
getting those questions left and right on Sunday morning as well in various forms of chat for FA. So that was that was confusing for me. I get those uh-huh. questions and I feel like I'm we're not doing a good enough job because that's definitely overthinking it. It's definitely looking at last week's. It's looking at the shiny toy from a week ago. And that's the problem. It's a new week and James Conner is out there and if James Conner is out there, James Conner is going to be productive. And it's not going to be Benny Snell and the problem is and I don't I don't fully blame part of the idiot credit goes to Ian Rappaport because Ian Rappaport slides in a report because you can't spell Rappaport apparently without report. Ian Rappaport slips in a report that apparently there was going to be some major 50-50 or close to a 50-50 timeshare. And that clearly was not the case. And luckily, it I don't know how I missed it. But even if I did see that, that wouldn't have stopped me from telling people, no, you start Connor. Well, that's also because it's Ian Rappaport and you never trust anything Ian Rappaport says. Right. It's, Although Schefter got one wrong with Mike Williams, so I will say that. Yeah, Schefter also he is human. flagrantly self-promoted a, a COVID case that happened to be the VP of officiating for the NFL just so people would tune into his dang show on Sunday. Is, uh, is he losing his touch? Is he getting comfy? He's pulling a Rappaport, too. Uh-oh. Come so on. Obnoxious. We got to stay motivated. We got to stay hungry. Guys, give me some idiots of the week. Feed me. I got Anthony Lynn. Um, I knew you were going there. I just don't understand the thought process that you go through. And I, this was my tweet earlier today. James Ronde made a uh, retweet on, on the quote. I commented on it and basically was like, to Anthony Lynn, his opinion is the quarterback that he started in week one that should have probably lost to the Bengals. At the very least, that game should have gone into overtime if not for the injury to the Bengals kicker there on that final kick. Gives him a better chance to win than the rookie quarterback the team drafted who on, what did they say, 15 minutes notice was told told that he would be starting against the defending Super Bowl champion Kansas City Chiefs and almost beat them if not for a bad coaching decision in overtime where you as a team decided to punt the ball away to the chiefs. And obviously Patrick Mahomes is going to drive downfield and score. I didn't see anything from Herbert that would make me think that he couldn't handle the pace of the game. He is far better looking in terms of throwing the football downfield. Keenan Allen had a better game under him. Uh, You know, Mike Williams looks solid. Hunter Henry, like the team's offense looked better in week two than it did in week one against the Bengals, only this time versus the Chiefs of the rookie. And you're telling me that there's a reason that Herbert's the backup, that they couldn't do everything they wanted to do in the offense because he's not ready, uh, and Tyrod Taylor gives you the best chance to win. I I just I don't understand how any of those words are true. Yeah, neither do I. And it's it's weird because you go back to when Taylor was in Cleveland. He leaves. What happens? Baker Mayfield takes over. He gets hurt, rather. Baker Mayfield takes over. Now, in this situation, I mean, he gets hurt. Justin Herbert takes over. Looked pretty good. I was impressed with what I saw. I don't understand why. I disagree as well with the coaching staff that Taylor gives him the better chance. He's just been, he's just the veteran. That's all it is. Let Justin Herbert learn his reps. Let him fall. Let him get back up. 
that's what he should be doing. So, John, I'm with you 100%. They're idiotic. Selzy. Yeah. Um, I knew John was going there. Um, I mean, I wholeheartedly agree with everything John just said. I watched that game from start to finish. The throw that Herbert made, taking a shot right in the face to Mike Williams, where he threw it over the defender in front of Mike Williams and just under the defender behind Mike Williams, basically the only place it could go was to Mike Williams' hand, was ridiculously good. Like, Tony Romo was just beside himself that a rookie could pull off that kind of a throw getting hit in the face by... What was it Chris Jones? I think was hitting him. Yeah. Um, it would. Yeah, I don't. I don't get that decision either. <laughs> um, my idiot of the week goes to Ryan Gase. Um, at least I think it's right. The GM of the Bears. Um, why did you sign Nick Foles for twelve million dollars when you could have had Cam <laughs> Newton for a million? <laughs> like, come on, man! Seriously, <laughs> like. Good God. It's just, it's just, I don't, I don't even begin. And you're going to sign Nick Foles for $12 million, and then you're going to give the job back to Mitch Trubisky, who, let's face it, he's looked okay. I mean, look, okay. Not if you own Allen Robinson. Yeah, I mean, not if you are Allen Robinson. Who uh, I, at least the you? targets have been there for A-Rob. Well, uh, we'll see what he does this week against Atlanta. Yeah, Anthony I mean, he, Miller put up a zero. Basically, against the Giants, that cost me a week. I lost a week by 2.46 points with a zero from Anthony Miller. Receivers put up zeros, and the other one, Will Fuller, put up a zero. Yeah, I just don't. I just don't get what the Bears are doing. They also have about 17 tight ends on their roster for some reason. Um. Yeah, I why would you pay 12 times as much for Nick Foles as you could have paid for Cam Newton? <laughs> yes. I just I just don't get it. It's it's honestly it's... Uh, a lot of, a lot of teams made that mistake. I had a tweet go semi viral last night. Uh currently sitting at 297 likes. <laughs> uh this so is not quite up there with Coops. Yeah. Bobby not, not as Bobby Bonilla, not as Bobby Bo tweet. Coops still has me beat there by a long shot, but uh, this is done right after the drive on which Carr basically got sacked on back-to-back plays. Looked pretty ugly. I tweeted, you know, I'm thankful as a Patriots fan that the Raiders opted to bring in Marcus Mariota instead of Cam Newton to compete with Derek Carr. Uh, and uh, almost instantaneously, my phone is just blowing up with likes. So love that. Yeah, never yeah. know. The internet's a weird place. You never know what is going to hit. Uh, the Twitter sphere and people just go all about it. So uh, that yeah, there was, was uh, some tweet I saw like three weeks ago about some chick in Sweden or somewhere in Europe tweeted, "How many people take off their mask when they get to their car at the end of the day?" Like a disappointed surgeon in Grey's Anatomy. That thing got one and a half million likes. Yeah. That's <laughs> awesome. I'm like. So people just relate to random things. But, yes, Ryan Pace gets my idiot of the, uh, at this point, basically year award for just running the Bears so badly. Yeah, and please. And then signing Tariq Cohen to an extension before Allen Robinson. Don't even bring that up. 
just don't even bring that name up right now. That is not, yeah, we're just not going to go there. Instead, let's go to our alarming seven and talk about, because let's guys, I thought we can have a little fun with this because I, I love just being on Twitter, grabbing my popcorn and reading everybody freak out and overreact. We've had a few weeks of overreaction already. So I thought what we could do is talk about the seven biggest overreactions that we have seen. And these could be things we've seen on Twitter. These could be things we've heard on talk shows, seen on TV shows when it came to fantasy football. So fantasy football overreactions, guys. And I will start here. And I'd have to say that the biggest overreaction that I've seen, and we don't have to spend a lot of time on these. These are overreactions. So we know they're wrong. But after week one, guys, a lot of people messaging me about not trading, dropping Odell Beckham Jr. That is an overreaction. Dropping a guy that you drafted in the third, fourth round after one week. That I was, again, some of the takes I see, and when I see multiple people saying them, I don't know if they're trolling me. I don't know if they're messing with me, but it frightens me. And it makes me feel like we don't do a good enough job for our subscribers and audience. He had 10 targets in week one. I don't know what people, what more people were expecting out of him against the Ravens. They don't, because people don't targets. look at targets. They, they look don't, at they pitches look at and yards and they don't watch the games. Yeah. Can All we get... I see is he had an okay game points wise and I don't like him and they got smoked by the Ravens and so... Let's just get rid of them. Can we get a shirt from Rotoware, like made by Rotoware or something, or even Fantasy Alarm that says like it has like targets in big letters and then touchdowns in small letters? Yeah, we could. I like I like my I always wanted something that said like targets equal opportunity. That's just yeah. what I keep repeating to people over and over again. Like, yeah, but he only had two catches. I'm like, but he had nine targets. So <laughs> You know, they're going to him. You know, everybody who's down in Allen Robinson, back-to-back games, nine targets. They're going to him. Eventually, he's going to start catching some of these balls more. So uh, I'd be more concerned if he was, like, three targets, four targets, and you're like, man, they're not even looking at him. That's rough, right? Like, they're not even going his way. Right. You know, this could be a rough year. No, nine targets a game. He'll catch his footballs. Don't worry about it. All right, John, you're up. What's your number one? Yeah, my my number one like overreaction is more so people who are uh, taking wins on guys coming off games against bad teams. Uh, you know, this was a conversation I had with somebody after week one because I was talking about how I feel like there's going to be more of an even split uh, between Kareem Hunt and Nick Chubb. Now, obviously, in week two, uh, we saw Chubb have 22 carries. Hunt, still very productive, but only had like 10, I think it was. I'm like, yeah, but it was the Bengals. Like, in these games where I'm expecting the Browns to be losing, (laughs) you know, because I don't think they're a very good football team or they're going to be in more of a back-and-forth situation, I felt like uh, Hunt is going to be more involved and we're going to see more of an even uh, share on these snaps between the two uh, teams there. So uh, the overreaction I have are people taking victory laps on uh, matchups that were just very favorable uh, and it's not necessarily a dawning of, hey, I was right, or hey, this guy's for real. It's like patience, patience, understand the, the matchup and, and move forward and, and see what they can do the following week. Yeah, everybody, every chance that they can get to be the first to take advantage of a good matchup call, 
Trust me, we know the fantasy industry very, very well, John. Sells, what's your number one? My number one comes from Dan Malin's Scott Fishbowl League. Uh, somebody, I think it was a fan, not an expert, at least I hope that this was the case, spent their entire fab budget on Peyton Barber after week one. Hmm. Peyton Barber then got, I think, one snap in week two. Jeez. Or one carry. Might have just been one snap, but either way, uh, guy blew his entire, (laughs) I think it's $100 (laughs) fab budget. And Scott Fishbowl on Peyton Barber after week one. <laughs> that is a huge overreaction right there. Come on, John, doesn't that make you feel how I, what I keep saying? That like people aren't learning this stuff? I mean, of Peyton Barber of all people. I mean, <laughs> I, mean I know he had a good week one. They went to him because of clock management. They wanted to run the clock out. Yeah. He did have seven red zone carries. So, I mean, like... Okay, but then he got one... Like, yes, people should have considered putting fab money on on Payne Barber, but not your... He's not... Oh, man, that's right. (laughs) He probably thought... Oh, my God. I I don't even want to say... We see people not check... Their work and check what they're doing. Wonder if it was a fat finger or an accident. Yeah, it, he literally got one snap in the game against the Cardinals. That's terrible. I, I don't think. Wow. Oh my God. Please learn from us. Please learn. That's why we have chats. That's why your family's always here for you. And then I see tweets like this. And guys, I actually put out on Twitter at Fancy Sports. By the way, shameless plug. I put out on Twitter on Sunday, who are you thinking of dropping right now? And I got about 96 responses back. And among those responses, for my number two, someone wants to drop Deshaun Watson. Or, I'm sorry, doesn't want to drop him, but he wants to, like, undersell him big time now. And he says he's seventh, He's the 17th-ranked fantasy quarterback through two weeks. He's looked average without Hopkins. And if he started Gardner Minshew over him, he'd be 2-0 instead of 1-1. One and one, And he lost, almost cost him his week one. <laughs> I mean, there, if there's a position that you could sort of make those type of moves... It'd be quarterback. It'd be quarterback. Uh, I'm not dropping the Sean Watson. I mean, you could. I mean, Fuller's hurt. He doesn't have a lot of weapons. You know, there were already people who were down on him going into the year. He hasn't looked good. The team hasn't looked good. I agree. You shouldn't be dropping to Sean Watson. If he did after two weeks, though, you can't keep starting a guy that's not going to win you weeks yeah but he but in a ppr he had almost 23 points what's wrong with that in week one did you just quote me a quarterback stat in ppr leagues <laughs> yeah i did ppr doesn't change the quarterback score yeah i just yeah quarterback stats that's the that's like my biggest pet I, know, peeve. I get that but i'm just that's saying. my biggest pet peeve okay but that was the week we expected him to have a big game against the chiefs defense that's been i mean i contend the chiefs defense has actually been better against the past than it gets credit for but it was expected to be a high scoring game listen i agree with you i don't think he should be dropped 
But I don't know if you can confidently start him every week. Yeah, I mean, by the way, I did shameless plug in my uh, bold predictions article for the <laughs> NFL draft guide. I did actually say that the fantasy bust would be Deshaun Watson. I mean, Ooh. listen, he's got he's in Pittsburgh this week. Yeah, that's not a good spot for him, especially right. like the the schedule is good. not good. But but then after that, he has Minnesota and Jacksonville. What's wrong with that? Yeah, I mean, Minnesota has not been good. Jacksonville defensively has not been good. I mean, okay, but the question is, is he going to have weapons to throw? Is Will? Can you confidently tell me that Will Fuller is going to be on the field? No, can you never. confidently tell me that Brandon Cooks is going to be on the field? No, never. Okay, so then who is he throwing to? Randall Cobb, damn it. Uh, okay. Not week one, he didn't. Week no, two, he didn't throw it right back off week. But I think yeah. that had to do with more because Will Fuller was out. So, right. We'll we'll see. We we will see. Like I said, listen. Not. I terrible, mean, it is an overreaction. But... I wouldn't drop him, but I'm with John. You can't confidently start Deshaun Watson at this point. At least for this week, I'm taking Minshew against Miami. Then oh, Watson yeah. on Pittsburgh. Right. I just dropping. Nah, that's that. I'm not into that after two weeks, but. Sells, or rather, John, what is your number two? Yeah, my number two, and I'm actually going to just do this on the fly because it sort of encompasses a thing that I've uh, I've seen and that started people who are trying to take advantage of owners and trade situations. Um, you may have lost somebody. and I won't mention the individual, but I'm sure if you looked at the trade, you'd see the, the tweet on Twitter. But uh, somebody said he offered the DeAndre Hopkins owner uh, who had Christian McCaffrey, uh, Singletary, and Michael Hardman. And he's like, that's not a bad trade, right? Do I deserve to be scolded? Uh, yeah, man. Yeah. Michael Hardman is useless, and <laughs> Devin Singletary is in a timeshare, and you're asking for DeAndre Hopkins back. I mean, don't send shitty trade offers. Like, I know this isn't an over like a overreaction, but, like, you know, don't be that guy. You know, if you're going to make a deal, you know, try to make it a fair one. Try to be... You know, a common one. Don't make you, it makes you look bad. It does. I'm sure your other owners aren't happy seeing a trade like that. And either get accepted by maybe uh, an owner that doesn't understand the game as well. Maybe you think you're able to take advantage of this individual. Um, you know, but people who are like, "Oh, it was my feeler offer. It was my starter offer." No, man, it was a lowball offer, and you wanted to try to get away with it. Just send a fair trade. Yeah, definitely. Don't the oh the negotiation has to start somewhere. No, don't waste our time. Okay, we've yeah, got enough stuff going on. Place. Jesus. Um, my number two is spending 60% of your fab budget on Benny Snell. Uh, that was stupid. What if it was 90 times? Did you do yeah, it? I was going to say that was my overreaction next. Hold on, that's, that's, that's my number four. Okay, um, go for it. I'll think, think of someone else. <laughs> um, yeah, so that was, I mean, what? Whatever gave you the idea that James Conner wasn't going to play? He was always on the sideline in the second half of the of the Monday night game. It was made quite clear as a precautionary thing. He was a full participant all three days in practice. Mike Tomlin, for gosh sakes, came out and said, yeah, we're going to give him the ball because we like him better than the other guy. <laughs> There's literally no reason that you should have spent money on Benny Snow. No, I agree with that. I, and again, it just, he wasn't hurt. And we had nope. no indication that he was going to miss time. None of that. And I just, again, 
I just want to keep just putting that out there that he wasn't hurt. And we got to make sure that we're reading more than the immediate headlines, then checking the news cycle again. So that's just, that's something that we're going to have to remember moving forward. And I'll say this, the next one I have is, how about this one, guys? (laughs) Drop Zach Moss because week one wasn't good enough for us. And then he had week two, not so good, but people all of a sudden are now done with Zach Moss. And I really don't understand why. Zach Moss had eight or nine red zone carries in week one compared to Devin Singletary's one. I mean, the game script wasn't great against Miami for, you know, and Singletary looked better than he did in week one. But really? what Guy's going to get the goal line carries. and That's pretty much clear at this point. I got about four responses that said that they're dropping Zach Moss. And I wanted to respond, are you in an eight? team league because that's the only i just i don't understand that i really just don't and the week that all of the key running backs get injured you're gonna go hand somebody a usable running back i'll take them please anybody that's in a league with me i lost saquon in three leagues please drop zach moss would love that opportunity thank you very much sincerely fensty john and pemba what's your number three yeah, my number three uh, overreaction here, again, not necessarily uh, into fantasy, uh, but it goes back to what I said before about overreacting to guys who are coming off uh, good weeks against uh, bad teams is I don't overreact for players that are having bad games against good teams. Uh, those things are going to happen. We talked about it with the Giants and, and how we expected uh, some struggles early on, but now they're going to have an easier schedule over the next handful of weeks. And guys, like maybe you drafted like an Evan Ingram who's off to a bad start. Uh, don't give up on them because they're going to be able to uh, bounce back from this as the season moves along. Yeah, agree that. completely agree. agree. Uh, my number three, saw some some folks on Twitter asking after week one if they should drop Julian Edelman. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Yeah. Because they didn't think that the Cam Newton-led Patriots offense was going to help Edelman and his numbers. But, again, in week one, he had five catches for 57 yards and 23 yards rushing. What what else do you want? And then in week two, by the way, he set a career high for receiving yards in a game with 179. So... I don't really know why you would drop the top receiving target in New England, but okay. <laughs> right. And that's the thing. And he, he got the targets. I mean, is he going to get as many as he got every single week? What do you think, John? You're our Patriots insider. Um, He's gotten 18 so far. He got seven yeah, and one and 11. He's going to still be the number one target on the team, but I think it says a lot, a lot. That a week after Nikhil Harry got a lot of crap for his fumble against Miami, that Cam Newton targeted him 12 times against Seattle. I think Newton, and we I was big on this for Nikhil Harry because Newton is a good uh, downfield passer. While we haven't seen Harry actually have downfield yet, uh, the fact that Newton is, is kind of taking him under his wing, uh, giving him more guidance than Tom Brady certainly ever gave uh, Nikhil Harry, um, that this could be a really big season for him. So I, I still think that Julian Edelman was going to definitely lead the team in targets on the year. Um, I was very happy to see 
uh, Harry get picked back up after that week one fumble and Cam just go to him time and time again uh, against Seattle. And they both got two red zone pass attempts, though. Harry caught both of his and Edelman didn't. Right. Well, the one that Edelman missed should have won the game. So that kind of hurt. Yeah. Yep. And I'm, I'm going to give you a little sneak peek into little rankings action here because when I was talking to Adam Ronis, and don't be surprised if you see Mr. Newton as a top seven quarterback well, he has for to week be. three. So don't well, be surprised. <laughs> I understand that, Sells. I just, again, it's you think when's that game coming? And, you know, he's healthy and he looks great. And, John, you were right with what you said. You know, Say that you, again. You, you, John, you were right with what you said that your bottom of the barrel starting quarterback was Cam Newton. Yep. I thought you were being a homer. I rolled my eyes at you. And so far, John, so far, you were right and I was wrong. And I can admit that to you. Yeah, I agree. I agree. I appreciate that. <laughs> So let's go down to my number four now. And this is someone that people really just want. And this is something actually, you know what? We'll go with this one. There were too many when asking starts or sits. Well, if Michael Thomas plays, well, if Michael Thomas plays this, and I don't know what it was, maybe the news cycle wasn't fast enough. The whole week of whole, you know, Michael Thomas not ruling himself out for the week. And it's uh, that was all crap. And anyone who bought into that, that's an overreaction right there. High ankle sprain. You're seeing it with some of the other players who have suffered high ankle sprains. And now you're seeing it with him. You're thinking that he's going to beat that in five days. You're absolutely out of your mind crazy. And for those that thought that there was a chance that he would start, number one, it's a Monday night game that you're putting yourself at major risk of getting a zero if you wait that long, if you push it that far to the line. Number two, it's a high ankle sprain. And we started to see reports, oh, worse than expected. But people still held out hope. And I know that we want Michael Thomas in our lineups. But if you thought that there was a chance he was playing, you need to follow the news cycle more. You just have to. Yeah, they were sort of trusting sort of maybe his own comments or even the team said, you know, oh, he's not officially ruled out. You know, maybe the ankle isn't as bad uh, as it was. And there was, yeah, like you said, holding out hope a little bit that maybe he'd be able to get on the field. But if he was on the field, he would have been just a decoy, I think. You know, like we saw with been Julio had- Jones playing through his hammy injury, which is infuriating to me because I can't not play Julio Jones. I have him on a couple of teams He's going to gut out this hamstring injury, which means he's going to be basically a useless player that I have to start every week because he's Julio Jones. Hmm. I can't not play him and then have that be the weakest hamstring actually feels okay and he goes off. So I'm in a really tough bind there on some of the teams where I have Julio. But he's, you know, you listen to the players, you listen to the teams, then until they're officially ruled out, you know, they're always kind of leaving the door open, you know? Right. Absolutely. And that's that's why it's it's still with the whole circumstance and situation, you just didn't want to play with fire like that. John, your next one, sir. Yeah. And this one is, is actually kind of a one that I was uh, observing from afar in a way where um, people were getting on uh, Andrew Cooper, actually about his tight end rankings that he put out last week as his top waiver claims. Uh, he had Dallas Goddard listed, I think third or fourth. Goddard obviously had that monster week one, and everybody couldn't believe how you could have got it listed so low because of his huge week one. And they thought that he was going to overtake Zach Ertz and he was the number one target and yada, yada, all these things. But the statistics basically told you that 
the reason he was so valuable in that uh, game one was because the way the defense was being played, uh, you know, other guys were available, but they were missing catches. Like the opportunity was just a perfect storm for Goddard to all of a sudden have that big game. So people overreacting, but not understanding sort of the nuances of what creates certain scenarios to me uh, is something that needs to sort of uh, at least be taken into consideration uh, by those moving forward. This is why victory laps are also, this is why people complain about them. It's because it's a long season. And last week it was one week and that was it. And it's great to get off to a great start, but we, we need that consistency. That's very, very vital. Cells, you're number four. Uh, so I hinted at it earlier. Uh, people just assumed that Naeem Hines were, was just going to take off after week one because he came in in a flash and Jonathan Taylor wasn't, really ready yet in week one because you know he's a rookie and not really had any game experience and whatnot so yeah of course Hines comes in he knows the playbook uh you know Rivers is gonna dump him off and then he gets one target in week two and it's clearly Taylor's team at this point going forward I mean it just it just is Taylor got what six targets five or six targets um so yeah Hines is relegated back to, um, in a game script, I guess you could maybe play him in a so, flex spot, but so it's probably going to take I feel like that was sort of the scenario for last week. I think we saw two extremes. I don't think Naeem Hines is week one, but I also don't think Naeem Hines is what we saw in week two. I think there's going to be, he should be more involved overall in the offense. And this isn't because I was one that overinvested in Hines after week one. Uh, I needed the running back depth. He was one of the few guys that was available. Uh, pulled the trigger on it. It's okay. I don't make a lot of moves generally. Uh, as it is, I liked my team. Um, but it's hard to just uh, kind of look at week one, eight, eight targets, and then week two and say not even a rush attempt and one target. It's like, well, well, what is the real thing? I think it's somewhere in the middle. I would expect him probably – they get three to five catches a week going forward. I think that's the role that he's going to play. I would expect him to get a handful of carries at times. I don't think he's going to be a two-touchdown guy. But, you know, they, they rank right, talked a lot about him having a role in this offense heading into the year, and people sort of scoffed at it, um, thinking, well, they have Mac, they have Taylor. Why would they all of a sudden include him? But, I mean, this is a guy that a couple of years ago had 80 targets. He had 58 last year. Um, you know, I, I feel like there's still definitely a spot for him. Um, but you're right. I mean, it's not encouraging seeing Jordan Wilkins get carries. No, I mean, Wilkins is fine. I mean, again, he's an early down change of pace guy, but he's not a guy that's going to take away right. his role in this offense, in my opinion. So I, I still feel like we're going to see 70 to 80 targets go Hines way this year. He maybe finishes with 40 to 50 catches for, you know, 400 or 500 yards. That would be my, my early prediction for him. We make a lot of predictions on the Family Times podcast. Let's continue going over our alarming seven, which are overreactions over the first few weeks of the fantasy football season. My next one, I think, is a bit of an overreaction. And this player might as well be public enemy number one or at least top five in that regard because he's had chances to be more productive and he's dropped three passes in two weeks, and that's T.Y. Hilton. And this was a response I got a lot where people are fed up, people are done with him. And the problem is you really can't be done with T.Y. Hilton. Rivers is going to have enough time to throw. And also, they just lost Paris Campbell 
as well. So there are going to be more targets to go around. I know that there are other minor weapons as well in Indy, but at the same, we just talked about Hines as well. But you can't give up on T.Y. Hilton just yet. And if you want to bench him for a week, I don't know, you could try that. To me, if I'm in a three-wide receiver start league, he still has flex appeal to me, and it's not good. And if it's a few more times I've happened, he's going to be buried on my bench until he proves otherwise. But dropping him, I think, is a little premature at this time, guys. Yeah, I think dropping anybody after two weeks like that is a little bit early. I mean, Right, as much as he pisses you off. Trust I mean, me. they, they, I think, I mean, again, he's dropping passes, not ideal. Um, but you know, they did just lose, um, Campbell. So, you know, I, the role is even more solidified for him. Campbell was supposed to be the breakout potentially guy to take over, uh, for Hilton this year. Uh, week one certainly looked that way, but now he's not there and it's a rookie Michael Pittman or Pascal who was on the practice squad actually to begin the year. And you know, what, what are they really going to go to? Is it really going to be Mo Alley Cox every week? I don't think so. I think it's going to be T.Y. And my boy Jack Doyle comes back healthy, takes the, that production away from Mo Alley. So we'll see. In Peppa, you're number five. Yeah, for me, it was uh, it's it's the overreaction to some of the rookies we have here. Um, you know, Clyde Oates Lair, monster week one, comes back week two, not so great. J.K. Dobbins, huge week one, comes back week two, not so great. Swift, even with his drop touchdown pass on the end zone, week one, week two, not really that great. So people overreacting and thinking all of a sudden the rookies are, are here to stay. They're rookies. Just cool your jets a little bit. Uh, there's talent there for sure, you know, but it's they're, they're, it's going to take a little time for it to be more consistent. Matt Sells, where are you going next? Um, I'm going to a just a complete dumbass on Twitter who is taking a victory lap this week because apparently two months ago this guy and his seven followers – Told people not to draft Christian McCaffrey because it wasn't going to be a good year. And he's taking a victory lap because Christian McCaffrey got injured. And so now that he's going to miss time, now it won't be a good year for him. And this guy's taking a victory lap. Um, I'm sorry. Did you see what he did before he got injured? He was Christian McCaffrey. Like, and if you're taking a victory lap about a guy getting injured, you just an asshat. Um, <laughs> So, yes, it sucks if you're a McCaffrey owner, but overreacting because the guy's going to miss four weeks, there's, you know, worse thing, you could be a Barkley owner. So let's not, let's, let's not overreact too much. Yeah, seriously. I mean, come on. I mean, the injuries, they change the game. You can't take, it's one thing if you say a player is going to suck, but if they get hurt, come on, that's not on you or anything like that. That's, that's not on, that's not because of the player's lack of production. Lack of being able to stay on the field, something totally different. Here's a hot take I saw from Twitter. Sells, you went to Twitter. I'm going to go to Twitter for mine. And there's someone that said, Lamar Jackson, dude scored less than 20 points. I'm kind of out on him now. And <laughs> he scored 19. I get it. You invested a high draft pick in Mahomes and Lamar Jackson. I get that. But you're going to have to deal with it. That sometimes your quarterbacks and your first round picks are going to suck too, i.e. Saquon Barkley from week one. Nixon has sucked two weeks in a row. Kenny Drake tweeted out uh, that uh, people, I guess, were tweeting at him about his poor uh, fantasy output there two weeks, so he just said, "Drop him." (laughs) Yes. Oh, that's that's an overreaction too. Well, he said, "Drop himself." He's like, "Drop, drop me, drop me then." 
I'm not dropping you, although I love me some Chase Edmonds. So if you want to if you want to leave the league, go for it. Um, but I'll just say this. When I see that, look, I know everybody wants their quarterbacks and the high caliber ones to get them 20 to 30 points every single week. Same with the top running backs. Same with top Mike, the Michael Thomases of the world. You got to lower your expectations. Sometimes they're going to run into hard matchups. Defenses study these guys the entire week before. That's just football. That's good game prep. That's good being able to read the offense, and that's going to happen. But this is ridiculous. You had 19 points, and it's he said he has to have at least 20. That's a bad take right there. I'm still fine with the 19. I'm still fine if he gives me 20-plus or even in the 30s a few times as well and then has a couple of weeks of subpar production, then that's what I can expect. It's better than the latter, better than what alternatives can be. So that was a terrible take. And, John, I'm just going to pass it to you for your number six. Yeah, I mean, that's one of the reasons why we kind of always preach, like, you can wait on a quarterback yep. production. Uh, right if out you of drafted a guy in the fifth round or sixth round, you're getting 19 points. You're probably a lot happier than spending uh, the second round there. Or you uh, yeah, my next one was twelve. Yeah, my next one was actually uh, what I just teased to you there, and that was Kenny. People are tweeting at players about bad performances. Uh, you know, again, sort of a, a pet peeve, but also like an overreaction. You know, really, you're gonna take the it from a fancy game and start putting your your disgruntledness or you know your opinions and sending them to the actual players who don't care about your fantasy team, uh, you know, find better use of your time there uh, than go ahead and overreacting to just fantasy football and players' performances. <laughs> yeah, that's just always a bad look. Yeah. Um, yeah, don't do that. Come on. These guys have lives, too, and they don't need to be bothered by you and your greediness. Sells, you're number six. Uh, yeah, mine is uh, people like to crap all over Baker Mayfield. Before the season started, saying, you know, he's, he's not really going to be a great quarterback, not really worth it for fantasy. Well, I think he's been a pretty solid fantasy quarterback so far. I mean, he's not elite, but you're not drafting him to be an elite quarterback. You took him in like the 10th, 11th, 12th round. You're not drafting him to be an elite quarterback. You're drafting him to beat Gardner Minshew or Derek Carr or... You know, I don't think he's beating either of those two guys right now. Perhaps, uh, you know, a few other guys uh, early in the season. But I think he's he's decent. He, did, he had, what, 220 and two touchdowns last week? Against the enough. Bengals, Sells. Don't die on this Baker Mayfield hill. He's not a good quarterback. <laughs> okay, but he's worth it in fantasy at the end of drafts. And he that's should be all your QB, too, and you should not have yes, agree with you, John. He's your bi-week replacement if you have the right bi-week matchup. I don't know. I think I, I – hey, if you're going to give all that love to Odell Beckham, where's the I'm ball coming I'm giving the at? love to Odell Beckham because he's getting the targets. I can get good production from our individual receiver while the quarterback sucks, you know. So that, that's that's fine by me. Just saying, everybody loves Kareem Hunt. Everybody loves – uh, the the tight ends. Everybody loves Odell Beckham. They Nobody loves the tight ends. Nobody. Well, at least we didn't. Hooper's tight. Oh, Hooper. I mean, that's I, that's a big response time. I got too, guys. People. I mean, I was dropping him a week ago, but I don't have Austin Hooper because I had no reason why I would want Austin Hooper in a new situation with a lot of other weapons on my fantasy team starting a tight end. I didn't take Hooper either, but that's. 
There, there may have been no other player in my drafts that I was more that was less app like less appetizing to draft than Austin Hooper to me. Yeah, he didn't have good round value from where the other guys around him were going. You know, you wanted yeah. some other players that had ADP over a tight end, um, one that was going to be at you know best the third target on their team, maybe the fourth, depending on how active Hunt was in the passing attack. So. I was right there with you. People were excited because people like to buy in to the Baker Mayfield sort of charisma. Uh, but so far, through you know, three years or going into the year three, uh, hasn't really been that good. I, and I was having this argument with, uh, you know, FA Nation family friend there, uh, the Kangas man, because hmm. obviously he is a diehard Browns fan. Uh, you look at Baker Mayfield's career stats, and I think I saw – I'll pull it up real quick here while we're doing this – I think he has like 47 career, 52 career touchdowns. And I think a quarter of them in his career have come against the Cincinnati Bengals. He <laughs> has 12 career touchdowns and he has 52 total. So 12 of the 52 have been up, up against the Cincinnati Bengals. Wow. Like, it's just he beats up on the worst team in the league. Yeah, about a quarter, 23% of his career touchdown passes have come against the Cincinnati Bengals. I mean, he did. He just doesn't, he's not good. He's not a good quarterback. He beats bad teams. That's just the facts. Yes. Sells. Don't have to be a good one to be fantasy relevant. Factual. Blake Bortles was a top 10 quarterback. Thank you. Oh my God. Let's, <laughs> enough with the overreaction here. Let's go to my, the final one for all of us guys, my number seven. And uh, I still see people and I just shake my head. Even after Miles Sanders gets 20 carries, people are still on this narrative that Doug Peterson won't commit to one running back. And I'm sick and I'm tired of it. The reason why he wasn't in week one, he was fine. It has nothing to injury related. They held him out because they were cocky and they lost. That's what happened. Karma's a bitch sometimes, right? Right. So now Miles Sanders gets 20 carries. Boston Scott at this point is useless and a drop candidate. Probably if there's anyone, if I'm going up, if I'm looking at the rankings preseason, if there's someone that I'm looking to drop, he's probably the highest ranked guy that I'm dropping at this point. Guys, you look at the Eagles running backs over the last number of years, nothing to write home about. Now he's got something in Miles Sanders and 20 carries. This isn't going away. And people want to keep that narrative about Doug Peterson and whatnot going, that's fine. Guys, Miles Sanders is going to continue to be a bell cow running back. That's I'm fully convinced of that. Yeah, I agree. Convince me otherwise. I mean, okay, but in 2019, he had exactly one 20 carry game. Right. But okay. and a lot, you're right about that. I just think that overall, guys. This is he's breaking the chain. With right, this but I'm Doug just Peterson. saying there's a reason why there's a narrative about Doug Peterson flipping, not sticking with one back because he hasn't done it in the entire time he's been an Eagles head coach. He hasn't done it. It's largely so much you will about in my opinion though, Sells, than it is when uh, you know he he he's not sitting back there with uh, you know Shady McCoy in his prime and he's splitting carries with them like. Miles Sanders is a legitimate number one running back, and he hasn't really had that in his tenure with the Eagles. This is his second year, Sells, and Jordan Howard looked good to start the season, so they went with him. Okay, but Jordan Howard was a good running back, 
and he's still split time with a guy that you're saying is a number one running back. I'm Jordan saying Howard is an okay running back. He's on his fourth team in like three years. <laughs> and we've seen while we've always played this year. Great. Thankfully saving owners and all of FA nation with his two touchdowns in two weeks. Uh, but I think he has more carries than yards this season. Yeah. Okay. Well, Mike Allstott did that a few times and nobody. Jordan Howard is not Mike Allstott. <laughs> and to anyone that's about to ask because they're going down narrative street. Yes. You're starting miles Sanders. Yes. Don't worry about it. John, what's your final? Yeah, my final one was overreacting to, and, and tip of the cap to Howard Bender, because uh, he nailed it. Uh, Sammy Watkins. Uh, after week one, huge game. Week two, didn't show up on stat sheet. Uh, yeah, you know. Don't overreact, guys. We who We know who they are. How about those waiver pickups from week one, guys? Yeah. Not everybody is Devontae Parker. <laughs> oh, Devontae Parker. Another guy banged up right now. Sells, you got the caboose, my friend. What's yeah, I'm be- going with some crazy ideas that I heard this week for trades. Few people wanted to trade for Michael Thomas. So that they could stash him and then have him on the bench for their playoff run. The problem is you have to make up that spot in your lineup for six weeks. Right. And hope that you can make the playoffs because there's no guaranteeing that Michael Thomas comes back after the bye week. There's no guaranteeing he's at full full go when he comes back. Who knows if he can make the cuts like he typically does? Who knows if he can run routes like he typically does? Who knows if the timing is going to be there with Drew Brees not having practiced for six weeks? I I don't understand why you why you would try to trade for a guy that you know is going to miss like basically half the remainder of your regular season. Just doesn't make any sense to me. How do you even value him? You you can't. The market for him is awful. You can't really devalue him. That's the problem. Right. So, yeah, good luck. If you if you are trading for Michael Thomas, good luck not surrendering any of that running back depth. I'd be careful if I were you. Damaged goods, COVID is still a thing. He is at the salesman. John and Pemba is at a, at. Jay and Pemba 777. I'm at Fenty Sports. A lot going on in the site all week long between the three of us, between fantasy football galore, NASCAR as well. Still giving you bets for basketball, wageralarm.com, the DFS NFL playbook, fantasyalarm.com as well. Get on that and win some quiche. It's almost holiday time, and we got to make sure we win it because family times, the family's always with you. We always dominate. No other option. We just win.